0: The Lord is coming. Are you ready? Would your heart be right if He came tonight? The Bible says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We cannot have holiness unless we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And that is the purpose of the Christian life, is to know God... Because Christ came to reveal the Father, did He not? Jesus came, the Bible says in John chapter 1, "...no man hath seen the Father in any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him." He said to His disciples, "...if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father." Jesus came to reveal to us who God was. And so He said, "...this is life eternal." That they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is a, an, an aim worthy of our highest endeavor to know God. And then once we know him, we will be like Jeremiah who said that his word was in me like a fire and I could not forbear. And we will want to share that with Others. But first, our primary responsibility is to get to know who God is. So let's pray as we consider our topic today Where in the World is Elijah? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a merciful God. We thank you that you are unchanging and that you have a blessing prepared for each one of us today. And we ask for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, before the silence of the intertestamental period, it says, For behold, verse 1, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Fire can be an amazing, wonderful thing. We don't delight in destruction, but we do delight in the freedom that we have from debris, right? If you've ever had any amount of branches on your property that have been cluttering and providing a haven for serpents and whatever else, scorpions and spiders, fire ants, then perhaps you can recall with me the joy of lighting that and bringing it to ashes. A big pile of rubbish and then a consuming fire. We planted a garden one time and we noticed that a large portion was overrun by these wild blackberries that needed to be pulled up. And we went to work and we hauled and made big rolls of uh, blackberries into a pile and with a pitchfork carrying it through uh, the air, being careful not to hurt ourselves on the thorns, and then the satisfying crackle of the flames. The Lord does not delight in the destruction of the wicked. However, the cleansing fires will, in fact, be appreciated one day upon this planet. And all of what we experience that is sinful and harmful and bad here on earth will be gone forever. Verse two, the promises is, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Think about the advantages that you never had when you were a child. When I was a child, I grew up in the suburban uh, area of Chicago and I didn't have the joys of the country. I remember one time someone gave me a little kitten and that I was not allowed to keep that kitten. And I always wanted animals, never was able to have animals. But one day, I'm going to be surrounded by animals in heaven. Now I've got some animals for my kids, but I don't have much time to spend with them. <laughs> but one day, I will be surrounded with all the things that, I, that God would have loved His children to have forever. And He's going to lead us, and we're going to grow up in heaven, and be given all the things that are necessary and good. Verse 3 says, You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the next verse has a word in it, remember. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Our experiencing the new earth is conditional upon us remembering the law of Moses, which God gave to us. And to help us to remember this law, verse 5, the promise was, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Let's hold our finger here, or at least our minds here, and let's go to 1 Kings 18, and you'll see how this was the message of Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Verse 37. Elijah said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. So he would come and he would turn their hearts to their fathers. Now, before he prayed this prayer, what did Elijah do to the pile of stones on Mount Carmel? Before that, He assembled them, right? He repaired the worship of the fathers who were worshiping God. He reinstituted the things that had been lost. And so Elijah needed to come to remind people what they used to be, to repair the altar. Now, this world has changed quite a bit in the last few decades. You know, recently I read a news story where a doctor lost his, his job because he refused to use the pronoun that was against the biology of the person that he was treating. So he refused to call someone a gender that they were not. And so he just didn't use the pronoun that uh, they identified with, even though their biology showed that they were something else, and he lost his job because of it. We're living in a time where things just don't make sense in the world. And that's just one example. We're living in a time when we need to remember the way that God has led us in the past. Where people are afraid to call sin by its right name, we should still confidently say what the Scriptures say. And we should hold fast to the old paths where is the good way. And Elijah was promised to come to prepare us for the great day of God's wrath and to turn our hearts and to say, remember, remember the way that God has led. Remember God's law. In 1 Kings 16, it says that there was great wickedness in the land. In verse 30, it says, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So that right there, that that phrase, above all that were before him, has a direct link, link to the end of time. The Bible says that this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud, covetous, boasters, full of all kinds of evil. We're told that in the end of times that there will be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation. And so the days of Elijah are the days just before the coming of the Son of Man. When Ahab did more evil than anyone before him, so there will be more evil in the world, more than ever has been, as in the days of Noah, but even worse than that, just before the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 31, And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Jezebel was a wicked woman. Sometimes we think that just because something looks good or is pretty or feels good, that it's the right thing to do. But it's not the case. The devil comes in all kinds of disguises. And in this case, he used a beautiful woman. We need to act on principle, not upon our senses. And so, verse 33 says, Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, we, our, our hearts may be grieved as we look around this world and we see the evil that is therein. And we may ask rightly the question, where in the world is Elijah. When all these things are happening, because it says in verse 1 of chapter 17, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now in this word, Tishbite is great meaning. Great meaning. It means so much you don't know what it means, and that's why it means so much. What does Tishbite mean? No one is really certain. Perhaps it's a group of people. Gilead was the hill of testimony. And perhaps, as Josephus says, this was an area within Gilead. But no one is really sure. Which means that God can use someone that no one is really sure about. Amen? It means that you don't know necessarily where your blessing, where your testimony, where your... Elijah is going to come from where God is going to bring his help. You don't know unexpectedly from an unfamous location. God is a way of using the common things to confound the wise. Think with me of Mary. This poor young virgin who was betrothed to a hardworking, honest and yet also poor man. And how they went to a despised location to raise the Savior of mankind, Nazareth. And then when Philip said to Nathaniel, We have found the Messiah, Nathaniel said, What good thing could come out of Nazareth? See, the obscure places, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth out of me, who shall be Ruler in Israel, right? From everlasting. And so, in that word, tishbite is great meaning because we don't know much about it. Elijah comes and he said unto Ahab, wait, hold on, how did he get access to Ahab? Ahab was a strong paranoid king. You know, when any, anyone is in rebellion, they're always worried about first and foremost themselves. He was definitely well-protected and well-guarded. He wanted to keep his kingdom. How did this Tishbite, whoever he was, how did he end up in the presence of Ahab? Because when God sends you somewhere, or when God send someone sends someone to help you, all of the forces of earth cannot keep that blessing from coming upon you. And he stood, he said unto Ahab, he stood there and he said, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. He did not say, as Elijah is the most talented person around. He didn't say, as I have the best pedigree and I have all the name, the numbers or the degrees after my name, then I'm speaking to you today. He did not talk about his own progress, his own accomplishments, but what, it, what did he do? He talked about the Lord living. Amen? The living Lord. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. Now, he's standing before Ahab. But that's not what he tells Ahab. He says, I may be here in front of you, but I'm not standing before you. I'm standing before the Lord. I'm here to do the Lord's bidding, not your bidding. He came unannounced, unexpected, passing through the guards. I mean, you couldn't just sign up to visit Ahab. Certainly not if you were a prophet. Amen? And he came, he said, I am standing, not before you, but as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. I stand before the Lord. And he pronounces something that was very sad. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The Apostle James tells us that Elijah prayed that there would be no rain. He prayed that there would be no rain. Why? Because God speaks through blessings bestowed, but if these are not heeded, He speaks through blessings removed. And it was because of love for Israel that Elijah brought this testimony. Gilead means the hill of testimony. In 2 Kings 17.15, it calls the messages of the prophets testimonies. And they rejected His statutes. We'll move up to verse 14, a little context. Notwithstanding, they would not hear but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected His statutes and His covenant that He made with their fathers and His what? Testimonies which He testified against them. So when the prophets, verse 13, it says, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the who? Prophets and by all the seers saying, turn ye from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers. that's why Elijah came, it says in Malachi chapter four, to turn to to cause Israel to remember the law of Moses and to turn their hearts back to the service and the worship of their fathers. And so Elijah came bearing testimony from the Lord against Ahab and against Israel, saying, there is going to be judgment." In the land, today there is judgment in the land. We are seeing a rapid escalation in intensity and frequency in natural disasters, in unrest, civil unrest, political unrest, national problems, as well as a great increase in iniquity. This last week we saw the largest fire in history in California that we know about. Last I checked, 290,000 acres. That's a big fire. That's almost the size of Los Angeles. There are large fires reportedly in every geographic area in the United States except for the Northeast, which the national center that watches these says, is very unusual for July. Or there were, I should say, because we're just in August now. In Greece, terrible, terrible fire. That some just trapped the tourists, and the cars on the road just incinerated. People were jumping in the ocean, in order to escape this fire. And so, God is calling our hearts to repentance. He's allowing tragedy so that we will turn back to our protector. The promise is is that He will send Elijah before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The word of the Lord, verse 2 of 1 Kings 17, came unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. It may seem like there's no hope. It may seem like Ahab is too strong, that iniquity is too entrenched, that there is too strong of a confederacy against those that are teaching truth. We find out later in 1 Kings chapter 18 that Ahab had persecuted the prophets, and Obadiah, one of his own house, had taken a hundred prophets and hid them in caves by fifty and fed them with bread and water. And it may seem that revival and reformation cannot go forward. However, God always takes care of Elijah. Where in the world is Elijah? That's what Ahab was wondering. That's what the world needed was Elijah. Elijah. But Ahab wanted to find him to get rid of him. And so the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Go, get thee hence, go away and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Elijah was speaking according to the word of the Lord. And God took care of him. Will God take care of you if you stand for truth? That is a fundamental principle that we must appreciate and understand is that God will take care of us. He will provide for us. Even if we're nobody. Even if we're someplace, Tish something. Tish bite, Tishamingan, whatever. It doesn't matter. God, <laughs> I told our head elder here that I, I was uh, headed off to Tishamingo for a meeting and he said, God bless you. And he thought I sneezed. Tishamingo. You know, God has a plan for each person. There's no limit to the usefulness of one. Just one person is all God needs. Just one who surrenders himself to God makes room, laying aside self. It's not about us. It's about, Lord, what is your will for my life? If we will ask that question like Elijah. Elijah was not consulting his own interests. If he was consulting his own interests, he would have said, Lord, let there be lots of rain because I eat too. Because I need comfort. He would have said, Lord, just keep me protected. Help me to just be faithful to God out in Tish wherever, wherever I'm from. Help me. If he was just concerned about himself, he would not have ventured to pray for judgments upon Israel. Go before the king of Israel who was more wicked than anyone else. You just don't go and say that to people that are the most wicked unless you are selfless. He was dead to self. The same character that John the Baptist had. Selfless fearlessly proclaiming the word of the Lord, regardless of consequences. And God did amazing things through both Elijah and John the Baptist, and he'll do it with anybody. All it takes is one. Laying aside self, making room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. Elijah did not go before King Ahab, before he learned who God was. He sought the Lord. He prayed. He sought for personal revival. We cannot expect corporate revival. We can't be blaming the church or the lack thereof. Where are they? No, we cannot. What we need is we need personal revival first. That's why he said, before whom I stand, the Lord lives. I know God lives. I've encountered Him. Elijah knew God. Before he attempted to bring revival to Israel, he himself had been revived. And then God said, I need you, Elijah. It's not time for you to die yet, Elijah. Go quickly and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, and I will feed you there. God did. Fed him by the ravens. Bread. Bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. You know, one thing I like about God is not only that He provides for us, but He's consistent. He's regular. Morning and evening. The Lord has not forgotten about us. Today is Sabbath, brethren. Today is the day when God has promised to bless His people with a special blessing. And He never sleeps in on Sabbath. He never forgets about us. On Sabbath, He will give you the desire of your heart today. If you seek Him, if you say, Lord, I want to be an Elijah today. I want to receive of the testimonies of Your Spirit and share them with other people because there's sin in the land that is withholding Your blessing. Lord, send the rain. But first, bring Israel to repentance. If you pray, Lord, give me a blessing today. Help me to see Your face He will be regular. He'll give it to you this morning. He'll give it to you this evening. The morning and the evening sacrifice. The time when the prayer would go up at the same time with the sacrifice. In the sanctuary. From the altar of incense. At the same time that the offering was being offered outside. The burnt sacrifice. They were together happening in the the morning and in the evening. Together, God wants to sustain our souls. See, they only ate two meals back in these days, two meals a day. I'm afraid if I did that, I would wither and fly away. But God wanted to show that the spiritual blessings that we receive by prayer, by the word of God, by that that sanctuary service in the morning and the evening, this is like food for our souls. It's our meal time. And the Lord has not forgotten us today of all days. He will bless us. But every day we can claim the blessing that Elijah had. Lord, feed me by cherith. Send ravens to my closet when I'm praying. Please be with me when I go and I take my morning walk. When I hide myself. Lord, send your ravens. Then something happened. Verse 7, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I mean, Elijah, you asked for this. You asked for challenges. Sometimes when we seek the Lord, challenges come. And we don't realize that God is answering our prayers unless we remember that the God who led Elijah and did not forsake him will not forsake us when He leads us. Just like Uriah the Hittite was brought into battle by David's letter. Do you remember that letter? Uriah came to the palace. He was called by David. David said, you're a good man. Go home to your wife. Uriah said, no, I'm not going home. David said, we got to solve this problem somehow. We can't have this guy around messing up my reign as king. And he sent a letter. And in that letter, it said, Take this man, Uriah the Hittite, and put him at the very front of the battle. And then, when the battle is hot, withdraw from him without telling him and let him die. And Uriah came with that letter, a faithful soldier, and he gave it to Joab. (coughs) Uriah was put into the heat of the battle and was withdrawn from by the forces of Israel, according to the commandment of David. Sometimes we think when there is difficulties in our lives, when there's challenges, when the brook dries up, when we're seeking God, we're doing what God told us to do, but hey, wait, why is this problem happening in my life? Why am I going through this difficulty, this challenge? We think that God does to us what David did to Uriah, that he put us in the thick of the battle, and then he says, You know, they used to play a game when I was a kid. You ring a doorbell and then you run. okay? And then someone comes out and they're like, you know, and we thought that was just hilarious and funny and everything. And sometimes we think that God does that to us, that He puts us somewhere and then He abandons us. You know, He he runs away from us. No, no. The word of the Lord, again, verse 8, came unto Him. Wait for the word of the Lord, brother and sister. Wait for it. Seek his face. If you're going through a challenge, some discouragement, some cloud, some challenge, problem, wait for the word of the Lord, because as surely as he spoke to Elijah, he will speak to you. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Zidon? Hold on! I mean, that's even worse than Tish. Zidon? Really? Like, you're going to send me to some foreign city? <laughs> like, you're going to send me to the you know, enemies of God's people in a way? You know, people that are they're not believers? God's help will come from the most amazing places. Don't try to figure out, this is the lesson from Elijah that I'd like to impress upon you now. Don't try to figure out where the help is coming from. Just trust God to send the help. Don't say, unless I know how, Lord, unless I know exactly what You're going to do, I'm not going to trust You. Put your trust in the Lord. Wait for Him. He'll show you. There were many widows in Israel, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 when He talked to His people at Nazareth in the synagogue. But Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. <laughs> Elijah was sent to a Canaanite woman from Zidon, Zarephath. Behold, he said, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. See, when God commands, the Bible says, who is going to say to a king, what are you doing? No one says to a king, hey, what are you doing? No one second guesses kings. You just don't do that. I mean, you propose, maybe you kind of softly suggest maybe, you know, options or, you know, something, you don't say, what are you doing? (laughs) Okay. No one says to God, what are you doing? When God commands, that's it. It happens. He commanded the waves and they stopped. He commanded the unclean spirits out and they fled. He commanded, let there be light and light sprang forth. When God commands, it happens. His word is creative. And He commanded this widow, feed Elijah. And it happened. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. And then what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. will forgive their sin and heal their land. Elijah's not on this world anymore. We were wondering, we need him, where is he? Ahab was wondering, where is he? I want to kill him. Now, we don't need to wonder anymore. Elijah went to heaven. The same place that we're going to go if we're faithful through the last great time of trouble. If we make the God of Elijah our refuge, if we seek individually for a revival that we've never had before so that we might be able to share that with other people, Lord, revive me so that I can help revive others, then we also stand a very good chance, as the God of Elijah lives today, of also going to heaven in a fiery chariot. Let's pray to that end.